the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. Ben Maxwell and Johnny Nickel with you. And Johnny, we hoped as the league resumed after the international break that uh, both the title race and relegation battle would go to the final day. But I guess we should have known things wouldn't go to plan in uh, Amazing J. And by late Saturday afternoon, uh, everything was settled. Uh, how are you this week? Yeah, I had a busy weekend personally. And like you say, the, the J League never never disappoints. There's always there's always plenty to talk about. And I think we've got we've got plenty to talk about at both ends of the table. And also, I'm very excited as we, we established in the green room to tonight's guest. Uh, I've never actually talked to in real life before, even though I've interacted a lot on, on Twitter. But yeah, very excited to chat to him. And I'm sure he's going to be very excited uh, too to talk about about Vissel Kobe tonight. So uh, how about you, Ben? How, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Johnny. Yeah, a little bit, um, bit of an anticlimax, I suppose, that everything's mm. decided. Yeah, before the uh, the final round takes place this coming Sunday. But uh, yeah, it, it was a a, a massive weekend uh, in J1 in match day 33. So yeah, on this episode we're um, celebrating with Vissel Kobe, and later on we'll uh, commiserate with the Yokohama FC after their relegation was um, well. All, all but confirmed, although not uh, technically, uh, mathematically yet. But uh, yes, it's uh, glorious days down in Kobe. And at long last, Vissel are J1 champions after a 2-1 victory at home over Nagoya on Saturday afternoon. That followed uh, Yokohama F. Marinos' nil-nil draw with Niigata on the Friday night. So yes, here to uh, revel in Vissel's success is a man who's been with them for uh, well pretty much every step of their journey in their history. It's a huge welcome back to the pod to Alan Gibson from J Soccer and J Soccer Magazine. Alan, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. And yes, celebrating and reveling in the victory. Now, Alan, we know you're a uh, you're a big consumer of diet coke. Did you happen to even switch to the to the fully leaded stuff at uh, times on uh, Saturday night as part of the celebrations? Uh, I mean, it, after all, you, the occasions like these don't come around too often. Uh, no, no, I stuck to uh, diet uh, coke with a, but I did add a little bit of lemon and lime at one point. But, uh, oh, nice. I was actually at a, after the Vissel Kobe game, I managed to get into a. Quite uh, a formal event, and I had a tuxedo on, and it was like free drinks, and you know I could have had anything I wanted. In fact, I opened whiskey for quite a few people, but uh, I didn't imbibe myself. No. Fair enough. That so uh, we knew the equation before Vissel on uh, Saturday afternoon. As I said, after second place, F Marinos drew on the Friday night. Vissel knew that a win would seal their first ever top flight title and well yeah by hook or by crook there were some very nervy moments Alan but uh, ultimately the the two goals they scored in a quick burst inside the first 15 minutes from Haruya Ide and Yoshinori Muto proved to be just about enough both goals set up by the always excellent Yuya Osako and uh, considering the magnitude of the occasion I don't think Vissel well it's a huge understatement to say I don't think they could have made a better start could they? No, well, it was a bit nervy for a while, and then suddenly there was a goal, and suddenly there were two goals, and it was like, yeah, coasting, coasting, and every, all the players around me. I was sitting next to the uh, the Vissel Kobe players that were not playing, uh, among uh, a bunch of uh, all all sorts of people from J League and JFA, of course, and then there was, um, I would say, 
And unlike the usual 25 or 30 press, I think we probably had 80, 90 or 100 press there, in the, all squeezed into this, the fifth floor of the Vissel Kobe Stadium. Um, and um, it was quite, um, shall we say, it was quite relaxed after two goals. And uh, I remember literally, I don't know, I took my eye off the game. I'm, I was I was tweeting or I was talking to someone and, and uh, suddenly the Junker was popping the ball over the keeper. So... Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great start and it was looking good and then it all it all unravelled. But I'm sure you're going to go into it now. Well, yeah. So Johnny, uh, yeah, as I said, a dream start for Vizel. Ede's goal in the 12th minute uh, after a, a a lovely ball through the Nagoya backline by Osako and yeah, a deft volley across Mitch Langerak and in off the far post by Ede. And then yeah, just two minutes later in the 14th minute, uh, a, a low driven cross from the left by Osako steered in on the volley from six yards by Muto, his 10th of the season. And, uh, yeah, absolute dreamland for Vissel at, at this time, of course. As I said, the the occasion, they'd never been in this position before. How many times have we said that in the last couple of months? And it looked like they were, uh, yeah, more than holding up their end of the bargain with their two, yeah, excellently taken goals. Yeah, I think what we said last week when we previewed the, this game, didn't we, that, that I think Nagoya were 16th in the, the, the last 10 games form table and, and Gamba, their final opponent, were, were 18th and, and last. So in some ways it, it looked a bit too good to be true. And then when you throw in two goals inside the first 14 minutes, then you know, very very much it's like it's almost like, well, we've got everything we want from this game. Where do we go now? And if, for Grampus, that's you know it's the second time in, in two match days that they've been... They've been two goals behind inside the first 20 minutes. And I think in, in fairness to them, in, in this game, they made a better fist of things than they've done in, in recent weeks. You know, that they haven't scored, like I said last week in the, the prediction that if, if they still score two, it's, it's game over because uh, Nagoya haven't scored more than twice in a, a J1 game since the beginning of July. And yeah, again, you can say the goal, as Alan said, it really came from, from nothing, just a, a header at defence from Fuji takes a bit of a bounce and then Juncker pulls a rabbit out of a hat which unfortunately for for Grampus fans that's basically been their, their one route to go recently but yeah as, as I'm sure you described Ben I think as it came up to half time there was a, a couple of very 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 nervy moments and I think yeah, Yamakawa ultimately he was credited with it was a very good block but you know that replay it looked like the ball could literally have gone anywhere and you know I, I think there must have been a feeling around the, the ground that you know this is going to be Vissel's day. I think there was a Nakatani missed a header just after that chance. I mean, Alan, kind of, at halftime, what was the kind of atmosphere around? Was it was it still joyous or was it a good dose of nerves in the fans? Definitely there was some nerves after <laughs> after that goal went in and then uh, Nagoya seemed to have the edge for you know, 10 minutes or so up until halftime. And... Um, it was it, 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 it's sort of gone from joyous to uh, uh, to uh, temptingly uh, we're going to win this, but oh, it's going to be hard. And it was quite good. I mean, up on the fifth floor, uh, some some of the games this season at, at Noivia, the, the fifth floor is completely closed except for uh, press and uh, maybe some families and special tickets. But this today was it was pretty packed on this day. Um, I could say it's it's been a whole weekend. I, I'm sitting there uh, Friday night watching the game. Um, uh, Yokohama F Marinos and uh, wow, that, that, you know, if I may di- digress to that game, the, the Kojima is the, the man of the season for them. Huh? The goalkeeper was kept the minute, and but Albirex were quite amazing. But I'm sitting on the sofa with my wife, who who knows a lot of the players personally too, 
so uh and she's she's really got into it this season because um she's she's teaching a couple of them english but well i digress again so she's really really uh personally into it now and she she was like i don't think i'd ever go to a game with her because she was screaming and crying and shouting at the tv <laughs> it was quite it was quite amusing to watch i wish i got one of those youtube videos because i could probably it would probably be trending by now and um then i, I left her at home on the saturday afternoon for the game and i but for me, um, I think I had a, a racing heart since you know 7 p.m. on a Friday night, and it just kept going all the way through. Because as we as we know, amazing Jay can do all sorts of things, and and uh, I really didn't expect Vissel Kobe to win it on Saturday because you know because they could win the championship, there was no way they were going to do it. That was in my head. So I guess I was being I was being pessimistically optimistic, and um, it was bad for the heart. And then when Juncker scored, <laughs> when Juncker scored, it was it definitely changed the whole the whole mood of the stadium. And at half time, it was, uh, is this going to happen or not? So, uh, yep, there were definitely nerves and a, a change of mood by the end of the first half, yeah. I don't know if we can claim the assist for rejecting Kojima's claims to the Niigata player of the season last week. It might have inspired him to put in the performance he did on Friday night. Well, yeah, I was feeling pretty good about that uh, call, actually, Johnny, on, on Friday. Yeah, if we had have held the, uh, the Niigata player of the season poll over until, uh, say, this week, yeah, I'm pretty sure Kojima... Would have uh, would have pipped uh, Shunsuke Mito, but um, yeah, again, more on that game uh, later and Kojima's uh, stellar performance. But uh, yeah, I mean, both of the guys you've mentioned the the goal for Junker um, that that came out of nothing, and it came literally 63 seconds after Daiju Sasaki should have made it three nil to Kobe when he intercepted a pass uh, across the Nagoya back line and was basically clean through on Mitch Langerak, but uh, yeah, fired wide of the post. And then, um, yeah, there was a little bit of fortune to the, uh, the, the Grampus goal, Daiyamaikawa, uh, clearing up the pitch. But yeah, as Johnny said, Haria Fuji, uh, returning it with interest with a uh, thumping header and, uh, Junker improvising a volley over Maikawa after holding off Mateus Tula, the goal uh, surviving a long VAR check. And yeah, from there until the end of the first half, the chances were for Grampus, that amazing, uh, fluky block, uh, whichever, how, however you want to slice it. Yeah, Yamakawa put his body on the line and was able to deny Junker what appeared to be a certain second goal after a brilliant work by Roya Morishta on the uh, the right-hand side of the box. And yes, then a Nakatani header uh, just across the face of goal two minutes before half time. So I guess, Alan, yeah, after this, it, you, this long of a wait for Vissel, um, I guess, yeah, you probably knew it wasn't going to go exactly to script, didn't you? So it was, um, uh, yeah, uh, nervy moments uh, as the uh, the first half ended and then into the second half. And I guess uh, while there were chances of, for Vissel to uh, to extend their lead further through uh, Muto and uh, then Osako just past the hour and even, uh, yeah, Jean-Patrick fired over with about 15 minutes to go. I guess the biggest moment, and your heart must have been in your mouth, when uh, Kensuke Nagai crossed from the left in the 76th minute, and uh, Naoki Maida ran onto a volley from inside the six-yard box, only to see the ball come back off the bar. And, I mean, that's turned out to be the, uh, the, the moment where that goes in. Who knows what happens in the last 15 minutes? But from there, I guess uh, Kobe were able to see things out. But uh, what a moment that was. And, um, well, yeah, uh, I'm sure you've got a very vivid memory of it, of, uh, yeah, maybe the, the title flashing before Vissel fans' eyes. Oh, it was, uh, it, I, 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 all I thought, actually, at the time, I was like, I wonder what's happening to my wife right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the sofa and breaking the television, I'm not sure. <laughs> it was, um, they were literally, I mean, I, I looked, 
every time anything anything sort of slightly exciting happened at either end, I sort of looked around and taken all the faces. And uh, I think the, the chairman of the J League was right behind me, and then all the Yabechi TV guys and Makinos, Tomoyaki Makino, and loads of TV people, famous people were behind, and and uh, shall we say uh, officials for one. And I'm just sort of looking at everybody behind me and looking across at the players, and, and some of them are looking at me and going like nodding their heads. They know what I'm thinking. And uh, yeah, Maeda was, I mean, I thought that was a goal. I really did. And ironically, by that time, I think after after Vissel had weathered the storm just before half time, I really thought they, they could have been four or five, one up. And then suddenly it was almost 2 2, wasn't it? So I think mm. there were, there were few, I mean, it was like uh, sh- sh- everybody went quiet for about a split second. And then, and then they were like, ooh, ooh, wow. And then they're looking at each other and talking to each other. And, and that may, yep, maybe you think that was it. Uh, we've, got, we've got the title in our hands now. It was a, it was definitely a turning moment, but it was yeah it was I think even the Nagoya fans went absolutely silent at that point because they you know everybody they 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 all cheer and shout and whatever as, all the way through often through goals and through goals against them and through goals for them but I think that was one point where the, the Nagoya fans completely stopped as well they they just couldn't believe it I think and uh, yep uh, yeah turning point that was the the moment that Vissel won the championship I think. I think that might also kind of highlight one of the differences. You know, Vizela first and Nagoya, despite being out of form for seemingly forever, are still still fifth. But I think that that is a, it's a difficult chance. There's no there's no bones about it. The ball coming across at the angle it is. But I mean, he basically has a, has the whole goal to aim at, doesn't he? Maeda, and he's only like five or six yards out from goal, and he puts it onto the bar. I think that really is the, the difference. You, you imagine Muto or Osako getting that chance, and it goes it goes in the net. And unfortunately, Maeda, it's just since he's been injured over in Holland and coming back to, to Nagoya, it just hasn't happened for him. And yeah, if it's not Kasper Junker, it's not really happening for Nagoya. It, it should have been a goal, no 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 mistake about it. But he he didn't take it and. Yeah, I think I think as Alan Alan says, it, you, you could kind of feel it on TV, not not quite as much as in the stadium, but yeah, if that's not going in, you think yeah, this is VCL's day. They're not going to be waiting until the last day of the season. It, it felt like at that point they were definitely going to going to lift the title. Absolutely, and uh, yes, then uh, well, uh, the, certainly the game didn't peter out or anything like that, but it was uh, yeah, it was to be the last uh, massive uh, chance for Nagoya to equalise and uh, Kobe. Um, yeah, again, going close to extending the lead further towards the full-time, but it finished 2-1, and at the full-time whistle, a scenes of absolute jubilation, which you can absolutely understand, and, that, well, the biggest moment in the history of this club, Alan, and as I said uh, when I welcomed you in, you've uh, you've been there literally from the start. You've seen, you've seen them come into the league in 1997. You've seen them uh, get relegated twice, a bounce back straight, uh, straight back up to the top flight both times, it should be said. But yes, uh, a number of years uh, in the top flight wilderness where um, we wondered whether yeah anything would ever seriously come of this club. But um, yeah, obviously a, a well-publicised uh, injection of Rakuten money uh, garnered plenty of headlines. And I have to hold my hands up and say they've been ridiculed on plenty of occasions on this podcast as well for, uh, you know, season slogans that maybe haven't gone quite to plan. But, um, yeah, at the same time, um, they've, uh, well, they've done it the hard way. They've done it after finishing 13th last season, not spending a single week in the top half of the table in 2022. So when you uh, think about their journey and, well, not even from last year to this year, but obviously uh, across the course of their history. I mean, 
it's a it's a tremendous story uh, it's littered with potholes along the way but um yeah it's it's all crowned with this uh, this uh, glorious moment uh, on saturday that was uh, celebrated long into the evening and i'm sure will be celebrated by by many for a long long time to come well yeah you say i was there at the start and i mean uh, back in 1995 in january there was a, there was a, there was a large earthquake in the kobe area as we all know which is incredibly almost 28 years ago now and um, I'm sure that in the in the programs that will come out in the near future, that uh, Vissel Kobe, uh, their existence began on was well was supposed to begin on the day of the earthquake. They literally were about to start their training on January the 17th, 1995, under the uh, the British coach Stuart Baxter. So I already knew him, and so I was already quite in uh, at the Vissel Kobe beginning, and. Uh, it was my pleasure and honour to uh, referee them pretty much twice a month for uh, the first three years or so in their practice games. Uh, Mr Baxter was pretty much insistent that the Kobe FA sent me as opposed to anybody else. And uh, it was great. I mean, it was it was quite unusual because he'd pick me up at the Royal Host or something and take me to the game and be really nice to me. And then during the game, I was abused thoroughly. Afterwards, <laughs> 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 he would take me out for a dinner or something. <laughs> But uh, yes, yeah, so literally, I was there at the start, and I and I saw them. Uh, I think that they didn't. They saved themselves once by beating Urawa Reds four 0 or something on the last day, but they did go down twice and came back straight up again. Um, and uh, as as a Kobe resident for well, for actually for 35 years and a week uh, since I've been in Kobe, and uh, I've yeah, I, I guess you probably say I have seen it all. And uh, I've also been one of the first to ridicule them at times, as you said. I mean, they've just been totally mismanaged often. Um, so many managers deserved longer uh, to uh, to work their system out and uh, didn't get it. There's so many good managers that could have could have done a lot more a lot sooner with Vissel Kobe if uh, Mikitani had uh, been patient with them. In particular, I think. Uh, I think um, I'm trying to go all the way back. Maybe Hasek in about 2004. Ivan Hasek, uh, the Czech Republic. Uh, I think he's like the president of the FA now or something. But I mean, he came in and uh, he tried to change the way the team played and things like that. And yeah, I think it lasted about six months and it, it seemed to be going very well. But there was just no patience from Mikitani. And then Nishino came in in 2012. And uh, he, he was given like uh, basically that he said to me he's, he's been given three years to clean out the dead wood and uh, and do all sorts of stuff and build the team. And I think within about six months, he was gone. Um, so uh, I think the, the, the key, I, I was very upset when Yoshida, the current manager, was was basically fired the first time um, because he, he had the uh, shall we say he had the dressing room for want of a better cliche. The players loved him. The uh, they all knew him. The fans loved him because he'd previously played for them and he'd, he'd been a, a previous coach and he came back. And uh, Mikitani, for some, I mean, um, I've heard Mikitani say that um, Rakuten was going through problems and losing money in various uh, areas of whatever he was investing. And he had decided to just let Vissel Kobe run his course. Um, I don't know if the fact that he left Vissel Kobe alone to do what they wanted uh, helped them. Um, but it seems so because um, I, I know from from inside that in the last two or three years, actually, I suppose once he'd signed uh, the Spanish contingent and um, realized that uh, they weren't really going to change the, the team completely, 
Um, and he let Yoshida get on with his work. I mean, Yoshida's only been about a year. He only started the, like in the middle of last year, I think, mm-hmm. or rather came back because Lotina was there and didn't work. And uh, the uh, Mura, I was worried that Atsushi, Atsushi, Atsuhiro Mura, when he became manager, and then he was basically let go, but he moved up into the, uh, shall we say, the scouting and the director of football department. And I thought things are not going to change. Um, and it's the same thing as we might discuss later or you might discuss later. And, and I've discussed later that happens at Gamba. They fire managers like uh, or and they just move them into different positions in the club. Um, Mr. Matsunami in particular uh, will, get, will get mentioned later, I'm sure. So uh, I think the fact that um, Mikitani-san let Vissel Kirby run its course and let Yoshida do what he wanted uh, really, really helped the club. And the fact that uh, Iniesta in particular was... Was, was injured often, but uh, even when he wasn't injured, Yoshida was strong enough to not play uh, Iniesta in many games at all. And in fact, this year, I, I, would, I haven't checked any stats whatsoever, but I would be surprised if any club over the last 30 years uh, has played foreign players less in J1 over the course of a season. So I think the fact that uh, Mikitani, of course, might, you know, will claim all sorts of... Uh, of um, things that he's done that have made Vissel Kobe work. But I think the fact that he actually left them alone for a while, whether it was mm. because other parts of his business really helped them. Uh, Yoshida has been an excellent manager. Do you think, Alan, because you know, we mentioned like the Spanish players and we also mentioned a, a bit of ridicule. I saw the, the, the G League, um, the, the English Twitter pushed a, a post about uh, Juan Mata winning winning titles every country he's been to. And it was kind of getting a bit, bit of... Uh, bit of stick because he only played about 10 minutes didn't he the, the entire time he was there um i, I was wondering because that that you know yoshida had let or yoshida had been been getting on with it be so and then sort of bringing in mata who just didn't fit into the system at all seemed a bit like a, a mickey tanny move i mean look, looking into your, your crystal ball slightly like how, how do you see things going now that the visa have won the title do you think there will be more of a focus on the, the kind of player we saw brought in this year like ide or or Yuki Honda, completely unfashionable Japanese players that Yoshida's got the best out of? Or do you think there will still be the kind of bringing back a, a Japanese player, like an international player from, from Europe, or or bringing in a, a, a name, but maybe, if, if I dare say, over the hill uh, European talent? How do you see things panning out going forward? I'm, I'm hoping, and um, the way Yoshida's done what he's done, I'm thinking that uh, the scouting department seems to be working quite well. Yuki Honda came from nowhere. Was, was he even? I guess he was first team at Kyoto Sanga, but um, he really wasn't known by anybody outside uh, Kyoto Sanga, I reckon. And he's coming as basically a, a fourth or fifth choice centre back, um, I think. And then Yuki Kobayashi popped off to Celtic suddenly. And then Kikuchi got injured for basically the whole year, and Honda has come in. And, and for me, he's just. He's played centre-back, he's played left-back, they've thrown him in wherever he was needed. He's given 100% and has been absolutely brilliant. And Ide was the same. I mean, he's had a, an injury-riddled uh, history, shall we say. Mm-hmm. But when he came to Gamba, I was quite excited. I thought, that he's a great player, but injured again, hardly played, let go. And then he comes to Visselkobe and I thought, I wonder if we're going to get the uh, the injured Ide or are we going to get the guy that matters? And um, I think, uh, obviously, he's, he's done what was needed. But I think even he's only been managed to get in there because uh, Vissel Kobe have had their injuries. Nowhere near as many as Yokohama F. Marinos, of course, especially in defence. But um, the fact that uh, Mitsuki Saito, um, who I really think, uh, if he, he hadn't been injured by now, would be on, on the verge of at least uh, getting into the national team squad, mm-hmm. uh, 
was, was absolutely brilliant for me. And then suddenly he was, well, extremely badly injured. I, I'm sure he'll be out for at least another year, even though they're, they're sort of hoping he'll be back next summer. I don't think he'll play in 2024, to be honest, but um, we shall see. So um, I'm hoping that uh, Vissel Kobe don't go out and, uh, and drag in like 35-year-old foreign players just for the hell of it. Um, a nice established 28-year-old at his peak would be nice, and maybe the maybe the champions of Japan can tempt someone to come. But um, otherwise, I th- I see uh, established internationals um, coming back again. Genki Haraguchi, for example, has has already been mentioned. I think um, whether whether that's a good thing or not, I know that <laughs> at least they're they're looking at uh, internationals or 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 reasonably former internationals not like back in 2001 or wherever it was when all the 35 year old ex-players came and joined Kazu. Uh, it was quite a disaster having Joe Shoji and Hirano and, and Mochizuki and players like that just basically taking up half of the Vissel Kobe team um, because they were big names but um, and they were big names in the past but they weren't by the time they got to Vissel. Um, this time I think uh, the fact that players have come through um, under Yoshida and, and before Yoshida, we've had, uh, I mean, someone like uh, Yamakawa has been excellent. Um, it's not the, the Vissel Kobe youth system because he played at um, Tsukubu University until he was 22 years old. But the fact is that Vissel Kobe do have some youth players or young players coming through either through their own system, like uh, Nakasaka, who didn't play too often, uh, Daiju Sasaki, who did play a lot more in the last few months, and um, players like uh, Yamakawa and Maikawa, of course, he's a product of the the youth system. So um, they, they've got some, I mean, they, they seem to have made a nice blend of uh, established internationals who are still in form, um, good young players coming through the club who care about the club. And um, as you say, scouting and finding some good solid players that have come in and really made the team well. So I hope they'll continue that way and not uh, not have Mickey Tani come back in, look, I've made you champions, let's, uh, let's bring in some other 36-year-old Spaniard. You actually reminded me there, Alan, because speaking of what Vissel Kobe youth products have been at Tsukuba University, I believe is it Kakeru Yamauchi is going to come back from from uh, after graduating from university, and I believe he won like the MVP in the Kanto University League, like Division One. So there seems to be quite a high rating of him, and I think he was involved in Japan under twenty two recently when they played in the Asian Games. I think mm. he got a red card at some point, but I, I, yeah. from what I've heard, is he's a very talented player who's come through the, the VCL youth systems. I'm looking forward to seeing him next season as one younger talent amongst the squad. There's a, they've also got a left winger they they rented out to uh, to which team? Wagon Kanazawa, I'm not sure. Yeah, Yamagata. Ah, that's right, yeah. Izumi came in, uh, played two or three games or two or three half games, and uh, he really looked quite amazing, but he, he wasn't getting any time, really. Here we had uh, Yuruki, who was in form for a while, um, and uh, Jean Patrick was also playing on the left wing, and then there were like various players who were keeping Izumi out. Um, so I'm glad he got time, but I'd like to see him come back as well. And so there's, there's definitely uh, there's some there's uh, I actually saw the uh, the, uh, the under 14s I think it was, or maybe, maybe even 12s, but there's there's some talented players coming through. But I'm I'm sure it's the same for all the teams. I hope it's the same for all teams in uh, in the J League that do have, uh, because that is one strength that uh, Japan has is, uh, and of course that you need this for your J League license is to, to have a very good established youth, youth system. Um, and I think it's working very well. And sometimes there's so many youths that they get, uh, you know, we, we miss out on some of them, but uh, I'm hoping they really do stick to uh, blending their youth with um, maybe uh, the, the, the good foreign players and, and keep 
and keep um, the players here that they want. I mean, because the problem, I don't, I don't think any any of the current Vissel Kobe players are, are quite good enough to be, you know, having that, the overseas clubs coming calling. Uh, I'm sure, well, I know Sasaki, uh, uh, Maikawa too. Uh, there's quite a few players who want to go overseas, but there's so many good Japanese players these days that uh, they'll be they'll be picking the the best. Um, and um, I think uh, Vissel Kobe might be in the position where not quite any of them are good enough to be like pulled out like Mitoma or someone like that. So uh, if Vissel Kobe can keep the squad that they have and um, Saito eventually comes back. Kikuchi comes back if he if he stays at the club uh, after a year of uh, not being played, and they made the champions. Uh, maybe they, they can afford to sell him off for a good fee. I don't know, but um, yeah, the, the future seems so bright, and I'm actually wearing my sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, going to be fascinating to see what they do for an encore next year. And uh, and yeah, your your chat there, guys, is uh, yeah really interesting as to see uh, what they do in the market, whether they. Uh, yeah, leave Mr. Yoshida to, uh, to to oversee things as he's done so superbly uh, this year or whether there is a bit more intervention from upstairs and, um, yeah, maybe a, a player or two hoisted on uh, on Mr. Yoshida who, he, who he's got to uh, work out how to get the best out of. But, yeah, what, a, what an occasion it was at the Noivir and, yeah, obviously at the full-time whistle, the celebrations were massive, as we said, and uh, at, the, at the end of the presentation, Hotaro Yamaguchi, hoisted the shale and the celebrations could uh, really kick off in earnest and um yeah a long uh, a long time coming for Vissel but uh, yeah thoroughly deserved over the course of the season and uh, yeah as we say next year it's going to be fascinating to see how they build uh, on this success so uh, before we let you go a couple of things we'd like to uh, to get your thoughts on Alan uh, first if we could we've mentioned some of the uh, the stellar players from from Vissel this season uh, well over the uh, the the course of the last couple of days our patrons have been voting on the Kobe player of the season award and Alan uh, we have to thank you for your input into the the nominees that we put before our patrons so i think we're probably just going to be rubber stamping here but we'll just run you through the results so from all of the votes uh, cast by our patrons uh, 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 for the uh, the five nominees, uh, Yuya Osako, who is, uh, of course, the golden boot leader with the one game remaining in the season. He has 22 goals, uh, one ahead of Anderson Lopez. Uh, Osako got uh, 55% of the vote. Uh, Yoshinori Muto, his partner in crime up front, and the previously mentioned uh, Mitsuki Saito, both got 18% of the vote Saito just making the cutoff uh, with his uh, number of appearances, but obviously he was so important to, to Vissel up until the time of his injury uh, in midfield, his uh, partner in crime in the center of the pitch, Hotaru Yamaguchi, the captain got 9% and uh, poor old Daya Maikawa. He's got himself into the uh, international frame this year, but he was uh, unable to garner a vote f- uh, from our patrons. So, um, Alan, it's uh, strongly in favour of Osako, according to the patrons. Um, would you go along with that, or is there a- another player that you want to uh, specifically mention, maybe before you uh, rubber stamp Osako? I think I already mentioned uh, Honda as uh, a player who really, really uh, surprised me, uh, gave his all, gave 100% every single game. Um, he might not have been the most uh, outstanding player or the uh, the most famous player, and I'm sure that's the goals and the name alone 
uh, help make sure that Osaka is the, is the winner. Um, Muto is a, a worthy second, I'm sure. Um, I think there was there was no way that anybody was anybody else was going to win apart from Osaka, to be honest. But um, for me, the well, I mean, if we can say uh, as opposed to the MVP, the the uh, the MOP, the most outstanding player, or the MIP, the most improved player, or the MUP, the most unexpected player, I'd give something to Honda. But um, I have to agree that uh, Osako is a brilliant player. He, he doesn't just score goals. And I think I've, I've mentioned this often when we, we're talking about the national team. He's, he's a player that the national team seems to lack in the fact that he can take the ball, hold it while three or four players around him find space, and he can create goals as well as uh, score them. So um, I'd have to agree with the, uh, in the end, uh, that uh, Osako is obviously the man that uh, uh, really shone for Vissel yeah. And fair enough. Yeah, I mean, as you've said, yeah, the the two assists on Saturday were a perfect example of, yeah, Osako, uh, not only a goal scorer, but, uh, yeah, involved in everything that uh, Vissel do going forward. And his two assists are obviously so vital on Saturday afternoon. So, Johnny, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, an Osako win for me as well. I presume it's going to be a clean sweep. Yeah, yeah, I think... Osako, I would be very surprised if he doesn't win the the J1 MVP award. He's, uh, and like Alan said, um, as we were talking last week, or kind of trying to name our squad for the the Asian Cup in in January, and that there's not really that many centre forwards in in Japan. And I, I think a lot of young players, as again Alan mentioned, that the youth setups, a lot of young players could could do with watching Yuya Osako if you want to make it as a centre forward. In Japan, that that's the kind of player you, you really want to watch. So yeah, absolutely from him. And I, I would just mention you know, in our kind of like a bit behind the scenes chat, uh, Ryo Hatsuse was another name that kind of cropped up. But I think in a lot of these votes, you know, as you saw, Mayakawa's had a great season, but he didn't get any any votes. I think ultimately there's a lot of players who, who deserve a mention, like, like Honda, Mayakawa, Hatsuse. But in a vote where you can only pick one person, it's, there's no ranking system. I think, yeah, well, Osaka will be a, a clear winner in, in this one for me. All right, then. And uh, finally, uh, Johnny, I guess uh, one of the uh, the positive things to come out of Saturday for you is that Kobe sealing the title with a game to go is that the, the prospect of a Vissel winning the title at the Suita City Stadium on the final match day is uh, now, um, yeah, it's a moot point because uh, Kobe took care of business uh, this past weekend. But uh, speaking of Gumba, I know you wanted to get some uh, some thoughts from Alan uh, before we let him go on uh, both of the Osaka clubs. Yeah, but with a bit bit too much positivity so far, so let's bring it down before before we let you go, Alan. So obviously things going very well in, in Hyogo for for Vissel, but you know Gamba and Serizo kind of f- finishing the season in in various levels of strife. I think we can say both are kind of nose diving over the the finish line. So I, I just wanted to know your take because I think uh, Danny Poyatos has been confirmed as, as Gamba boss for next year, and Akio Kogiku is is going to be in charge at, at Serizo. So I, I wanted to know: do do both clubs have the right the right coach in charge? And you know, do, do you have any any reasons to be cheerful or any reasons to to be fearful for for both sets of uh, Osaka club supporters? I'll start with Cerezo so we can work our way down to the miserables. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think um, was it this time last year or even two years ago? I can't remember how long has as uh, Cerezo had this current coach, but I think we discussed two years. It is two years, right? That's what yeah. I thought. So God, time flies. <laughs> I'm sitting in this very chair, wearing these same sunglasses, and um, Ben asking me uh, who was going to be the next Cerezo coach, and I was basically saying that uh, 
the guy who's uh, the caretaker at the moment has seen them through thick and thin and looked after the young team, uh, has looked after the youth players for probably 15 or 20 years, I think. And uh, he took them on and he took them on well. And I'm, I'm, I think uh, unless they can find, you know, pull in someone like Moriyasu or something, um, uh, I, I think that they have the right manager at Cereso. Um, he, he's not affected by uh, big names, not that they really have big names there too often. Uh, Inui came over, um, uh, uh, the prodigal son, Takashi Inui came back, uh, seemed to play a little bit all right, but upset the, uh, the, the, the apple card a little bit and wasn't so good in the dressing room. And he was dumped by the manager who didn't care. It was, it was a superstar and one of his former players. Um, obviously, he, he moved to other teams, but Kogu uh, knew him quite well. Uh, now we have Kagawa there, who's um, been been used properly, I think. Uh, he's, he's very good in, in either the central of midfield or even the defensive midfield where they are using him. Um, and he seems to be under control, for want of a better word. I don't know if there are any problems there anyway, but um, he's used Kagawa very well. He's brought in a, a lot of the, the, the players that he's trained as kids, um, necessarily because of injuries in the case of the left back, for example. Uh, Funaki uh, has come in because two left backs have been injured quite a lot in the last uh, six, eight months. And uh, he's got four or five players that they're, they're, I don't think they're good enough to go to other teams. So I think he's going to be able to keep them. Um, so is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. But um, I think he's blended the team quite well. Uh, his, his aim was a top five place. Um, he wasn't um, like lying through his teeth and telling the people <laughs> we're going to championship he wasn't um he wasn't overreaching or being too optimistic of course most teams want to win the championship but he was like you know we're going to get top five here and i'm not sure if they are going to get top five now but um i think um if they have patience and they let him do it a bit longer i think uh, he can improve the team they need a little bit of investment uh, i'm not sure uh, i like uh, mike kuma has come in from j2 and uh, is now a national team player um, they're using the foreigners quite well. Kapizaba looked like a, a bull in a china shop and with no idea where to go at the start of the season. And he's been blended in nicely to be quite quite a dangerous uh, left winger for want of a better position. Um, he is now a bull in a china shop, but I think uh, the manager's got a lead on him. And he's doing quite well. Uh, Leo Sierra ain't too bad. The, 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 the problem they had, I think they could have gone top five or even top three quite easily if they'd managed to keep Butsuki Kato. Um, who went back to San Freche for, for quite a lot of money. They, they uh, activated a buyout clause there, so they had no choice but to let him uh, go back to the team uh, that he uh, came from in his youth. So I think that was a, a personal decision. And San Freche made a lot of money. Uh, sorry, Cerezo made a lot of money out of it, but uh, didn't really have time or perhaps the opportunity to spend it. So if they've kept that money and they have some investment, I think, uh, I think they'll do quite well next year. Um, certainly good enough to, to stay there top six or top five uh, target at least um, I like uh, I like the manager I like uh, a lot of the players and the system that they have um, they just don't seem to uh, they, they need to invest a little bit more and uh, maybe uh, listen to the manager more but um, yeah I, I like Cereso so I think they're going to be okay should we go desperate now and go to <laughs> so well Gamba Gamba announced their manager Poyatos was to be kept on for 2024 before the Osaka derby. Um, they weren't safe. They they 
can, they then went on to win, uh, lose, I think, is it three or four games in a row? Um, at this time, I, I would have thought this was the time where if they hadn't announced it, they would be the time that they could be announcing the change of manager. Um, I think uh, the year before, he drew 22 games for his team, uh, Tokushima Fortis, was it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I think he drew 22 games in J2 that year, so he seemed to have a reasonable defence, I thought, but then I looked at them, a lot of the games, there, but there were 2-2 two, two games and 3-3 three, three games. So um, I think Gamba have one of the potentially best squads in J1. Uh, they have people all over the park, but they are just not a team this year, are they, Johnny? <laughs> yeah, I think we'll, we'll obviously get, uh, we'll get into it more when I talk about Sam Fredchie versus Gamba, which I, I couldn't see live, and I really, really had to push myself to watch that game. That was it was pr- pretty horrible. But yeah, I think with the Poyatos and, and similarly like Kenta Hasegawa at Nagoya, it, it seems like even at this early stage that the clubs may have jumped the boat a bit, confirming their, their coaches this season and. Uh, I'm not one to give out betting advice, but you know I, I think maybe Poyatos might might be quite high in the list if you're looking at first coach fired in 2024. Uh, I'm I'm hoping there'll be some some big changes for for Gamba over over the winter. I don't think money is generally not not an issue, and you know you mentioned Sarazov might have a bit of money to spend, so it'd be good to see that you know both clubs ma- making some changes and you know hopefully joining Kobe from Kansai supporters' perspective, hopefully joining. Kobe in the, the top half of the league and it actually reminded me there, I saw another rumour about, the, is it Takuma Suzuki of, of Serizo maybe going to, to VCL Kobe, that was a that was a bit of a rumour but yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's not it's not looking good for, for especially for Gamba now and I'm interested to see you know what, what happens at the home game against VCL there might be some ultras protesting or, or banners or things, I think they've announced a, a fireworks display before the game which seems a bit, another thing that they've sort of done months in advance and not really thought through but yeah, that was really, really fascinating uh, insight, Alan, on on all three of the 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 well, on all three. There's obviously there's other Kansai clubs, but on on Vsel, Gamba and Serizos, that was really, really fascinating to listen to. I have to say that, and I'm sure it could be brought up by other people, but uh, I've been very, very positive about Gamba even earlier this season. Um, I was so optimistic about the players that they had. As I said, in every position they had decent players. And Poyato seemed, you know, a reasonably good choice. Bring him in, give him a chance. And uh, but he just hasn't been able to make a team. Um, there, there have been some injuries, but he's certainly got enough players. I would, I would say, Vissel Kobe are probably the only team in 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 J1 that could quite comfortably put out uh, two two first elevens. Um, not sure about the keeper, okay, but <laughs> but yeah, they really have substitutes in every. I mean. Nagoya Grampus, for example, I would say they have 14, 15 first 11 players, if they're lucky. It's, um, even Yokohama Marinos, of course, have had injuries, but even then, really, they have like 14 or 15, the top players, and then they have the, the few others that rotate in. Yeah, Urawa Reds are the same. I mean, they've, they've managed, they've added like four or five players during the season, but um, Gamba have so many players compared to some other teams, and they've just not been a team, and that is the manager's fault. Hmm. Yeah, well, uh, it's uh, going to be another, uh, again, interesting off-season. Um, and I've, obviously, I feel the, the pain of both of you guys as a, an FC Tokyo supporter. And uh, yeah, we've suffered through 
a, a horrendous season ourselves. So, uh, yeah, we don't want to turn this into a pity party. And we we were here to celebrate with Vissel and, um, yeah, their, their momentous achievement on Saturday. So, I uh, guess, yeah, we can address what Gumba do in the off-season um, closer to the start of the 2024 campaign. But, uh, yeah, again, as Johnny said, a really interesting insight, Alan. So, uh, thank you ever so much for joining us and, um, yeah, uh, reveling in Vissel's success. Um, we'll let you go now and uh, resume the celebrations. Thanks, Alan. We'll catch you soon. Pleasure was all yours. Welcome back to part two. And uh, once again, big thanks to Alan for uh, all of his input there on the celebrations at Vissel and uh, also, of course, the situation uh, for the the two Osaka clubs as we approach the end of the season. So, yes, Vissel knew after the events of Friday night that the title was theirs for the taking on Saturday afternoon. That's because Yokohama F. Marinos try as they might, Johnny. They just could not find a way past Ryosuke Kojima in the Niigata goal at the Nissan Stadium. A uh, heroic performance from Kojima, who, uh, yes, uh, I, I'm very pleased to say was my tip, uh, my my choice as the Niigata's player of the season. He certainly justified that. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, he was listening in to the last episode of the pod. And, uh, yeah, my recommendation for him fired him up, uh, whichever, uh, w- whatever it was, uh, he was, yeah, in inspired form. And uh, unfortunately for F. Marinos, it just wasn't their night, despite so many uh, opportunities. Yeah, nine saves for, for Kojima on the, on the night kind of tells its own story. It was a, an interesting game. I think it was 35,000. It was a big, big Niigata contingent for, for a game that ultimately didn't didn't mean a whole lot to, to them. And I think they were able to play a bit more of the, the, the shackles off. The, the game was quite quite end-to-end early on, which I think was more to Marino's favour, but they did look quite, quite nervy and the, the fluency, especially the attacking fluency between between the, the three Brazilians, Lopez, uh, Jan and, and Elber, it, it wasn't quite there as, as it was against against Fukuoka and as it was against uh, Cerezo. You know, they, they put a good move together, but then, you know, get a bit bogged down or give the ball away, get see chances at, at the other end. So, yeah, a very frustrating kind of, kind of first half um, there was a couple of potential dogzo decisions. I think one against uh, Arai and then one against Kida. I think, in my view, common sense prevailed and, and, and both escaped with with a yellow card. Um, and then kind of build, building up to half time, I think that's when Kojima really came into his own. As is, uh, Mariners were really building up ahead of steam uh, as they did against Cerezo in the, the previous home game. But you know, he he helped uh, Kojima helped to to keep them at bay. And then yeah, nil nil at half time. I think the nerves start to. Start to build. We we, we talked to, to Alan about Vsel even leading two one, knowing you have to win, and that's it. It's your last chance. Well, it's not your last chance, but it's your, your golden opportunity to win the league. That nerves can build. Marinos, it would have to be weighing on the, the players' mind that they've had chances. The goalie's in good form. The other team are playing reasonably well, re- reasonably tight, and it's still nil nil. Just the longer that clock goes, the more and more the pressure builds, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Just a a, a number of chances. For F. Marinos, they were slightly off target or, yes, whenever they were uh, uh, hitting the target, Kojima was uh, equal to uh, to each and every uh, uh, opportunity. I mean, yeah, a couple of chances for Anderson Lopez in first half stoppage time. Um, one shot on the turn that was too close to Kojima. And then, yeah, seconds later, he uh, he, he saved uh, uh, Anderson's header at uh, full stretch. A, a terrific save diving to his right early in the second half. Again, it was El Burr with a header at close range. Then uh, just past the hour, Nam Tae Hee. 
uh, hit the outside of the post. And I mean, for the F Marino supporters, we've seen them um, wear down teams uh, at times this season, Johnny. And when they do, they tend to go bang, bang, don't they? But I, I wonder if the, uh, um, the, the F Marino's fans uh, in the middle of their jumping up and down behind the, uh, the home goal were, um, yeah, maybe thinking that after Nam's shot hit the outside of the post rather than the inside uh, in the 63rd minute, maybe they were starting to get an inkling by that time that it just wasn't going to be their night, even though there were further chances, obviously, in the last half hour or so. Yeah, I think, as we've, we've said a few times before uh, on the pod, that the Mariners' attack's really been the, the star turn. There's obviously been defensive issues, and you know Mariners always play very much on the edge defensively, but you know, Anderson Lopez with his, with his 21 goals and uh, Elber and Jan, I think they're both into d- double digits in terms of assists. They've had they've had so much quality. They've been able to to get get the job done. And even if they can't, you know that you've got subs like like Miyaichi or or Mizanuma or even in, in recent games like Uenaka have been able to come on and turn the tide. But yeah, ultimately, you know, if you look at a lot of the their stats, that the, their performance has been a bit of an overperformance, especially going forward. That they've taken their chances very well and. Unfortunately, that that means that there's going to be sometimes there's going to be days like this where where you have a lot of chances and you're either you're a bit nervous and you put them off target or you come up against a, a goalkeeper who's who's potentially on the verge of a very very big things and he's he's got a, a massive stage on a Friday night everyone's watching to to show off his talents and and boy did he so hugely fr- frustrating for for Mariners but I mean over the over the course of the season it, um, it's it's difficult to, to kind of break it down because they were champions last year. They're down to second, but obviously with the injuries and you know certain players leaving, like like Takaoka even leaving in the, the the eve of the season, I would say that the way they've played this year, it's second is yeah, is is probably saying that with, with the record they have in terms of being you know, outshot by opposition, the expected goals is not particularly great. It, they've lost too many players over too many years, I think, it, to make it really like have a to get as close to, to winning the titles they have I'm trying to say is, is is I think it might hurt at the moment but I think they've actually had a reasonably good season from from what has happened injury wise and in terms of, of personnel going it, it may hurt like to, to, to lose it at this stage but I think ultimately you know they can they can hold their heads up high and I, I don't see them going anywhere next year like we don't know what's going to happen this winter but they always recruit well from from abroad and you know they do seem to have a decent scouting network, decent decent youth system. So yeah, I don't see Yokohama F Mariners falling away next year, but ultimately they have fallen a bit short this this year. Is there anything you'd add to that, Ben? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it, this will definitely sting for uh, for the supporters and obviously for for the playing staff and uh, and the coaching staff as well to get so close. But um, yeah, when you factor in all all the caveats. Um, from the the previous preseason and then yeah all the way through this campaign where it seems like they've had uh, so many obstacles put in front of them uh, along the way I think yeah Kevin Muscat has has ultimately uh, been shown to have done a, a terrific job to get them this close and you know a side that's had won two of the previous four. Uh, top flight titles heading into this campaign. Well, yeah, this uh, this uh, this uh, 2023 edition of F Marinos is going to fall uh, just short. But um, I think, yeah, as we said, considering all of the uh, all of the hardships that they've had to work through, um, this is still a, a positive season. And 
plenty to build on for, for 2024 and going forward. Uh, again, taking into account what happens uh, in the uh, the coming off season. So um, yeah, I wouldn't say the game. It certainly didn't peter out, did it, Johnny? Because there were still chances at both ends. And I mean, as I was watching live on Friday night, it's kind of uh, I got the feeling that um, you know they'd. Uh, They'd blown a gasket, F. Marinos, hadn't they? They'd th- literally thrown everything they could had at uh, at Kojima for the first 75 minutes or so. And while there were, you know, late chances as well, uh, to Watanabe fizzing a shot uh, wide from 30 yards with about five minutes left. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, as I said, the, the, the writing seemed to be kind of on the wall once that Nam shot hit the post. And ultimately, yeah, it wasn't F. F. Marinos's night and uh, Niigata, left with a, a deserved point that could have even been a three uh, late on. But they're a player of the season. Shinsuke Mito uh, did uh, miss a couple of chances to uh, to win it for Albert X. And, uh, well, before that, Kaito Taniguchi had a few chances himself. But anyway, it was an entertaining game, even though it ended, it ended scoreless on Friday. But as we said, that set the stage for, for Vissel and their triumph on Saturday afternoon. Now, with Vissel's Player of the Season, Johnny, we did stretch to five nominees, didn't we? And we got to Alan's thoughts on those in uh, part one. But uh, when it came to F. Marinos and their uh, Player of the Year, um, there were three obvious uh, candidates, according to, um, yes, our panel of experts, in inverted commas, and the three Brazilians uh, up front were, um, yeah, far and away, I think, their best three performers over the course of the season. Of course, uh, Anderson Lopez, second to Yuya Osako in the uh, the Golden Boot race with one game left in the season. Elber and uh, Jan Mateus were the three nominees, and uh, Lopez took it. 55%. Uh, interestingly enough, exactly the same percentage of the, the Kobe vote uh, that uh, Anderson got for F. Marinos. Elber with uh, 36 and uh, Jan on 9%. So, um, yeah, he's not everyone's favourite, is he, Lopez? But I think the, the weight of goals probably means he has to be the winner. I would say that for, for mine, Johnny, Elber is their most important player. But over the course of this season, um, I will go along with the patrons and say that I, I think Lopez deserves this award. Uh, what do you uh, What do you think about that? Yeah, I think I'm I'm, I'm with you. I, I actually find because I often look at the, this group as a as a trio now because they basically play as a trio. And it's quite difficult to pull them apart, especially with Lopez and Elber, who've, who've basically Lopez has started every game and Elber started all, all. I think he's only missed one game, which he was he was suspended in. And you know, if you look at Anderson Lopez, 21 goals, and Elbow's got nine goals and 11 assists. So you know, they, they've contributed hugely to Marino's success this year. And I think Anderson Lopez, can, I know you know Sam used to joke about him a lot with all these scuffs and shots and going in at, at, at Sapporo. And I think before he was at Hiroshima, he, he always looked very, he, he always scored goals, but he always looked very raw. I've noticed a bit more finesse under Kevin Muscat the last kind of year and a half. So he, he definitely is someone we've seen improve in front of our eyes. And yeah, Elber is a, is a brilliant, brilliant signing out of, yeah, it just shows you sometimes see J1 teams signing players at Brazilian second or third division. Elber has come from Brazilian Serie A and that's what a Brazilian Serie A player should look like in, in J1. But fantastic signing and yeah, he, he's really come out of his shell this year. I Yeah, two, two, two really good players. Uh, I know we're going to have a, a team of the team of the season award and I think both of these guys will, will be in with a genuine shout of making our team and also the official 
uh, J1 team. But yeah, I'd, I'd have to go with, with yourself and the, the patrons and, and go for Anderson Lopez. And you know, with, with a further mention maybe to, to Watanabe in midfield, I think it's a, it's a good season. And also I might be a bit biased because he's in loan from Gamba, but I think Juni Chimori, given the circumstances and maybe a bit of a rocky start, I think he's actually had a very, he's going to have a very good season, and as we talked with with Stuart Woodward, uh, I think a couple of months ago, I wouldn't be surprised to see him sticking on it at Marinos. But yes, yeah, so it's Anderson Lopez for me. All right, then. So we yeah, a terrific season for the big man up front for F Marinos, and we'll see on the final day uh, whether he can uh, catch or even overtake. Yuya Osako and uh, win the J1 Golden Boot for 2023. Okay, so with the top two taken care of, and we should uh, just finally, as we wrap up these two games, uh, give uh, kudos to both Nagoya and Niigata for their performances in these two games because, uh, yeah, uh, both had uh, basically nothing to play for but uh, gave their opponents a very testing games and, um, yeah, hugely contributed to both occasions. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to give a, a hat tip to, to both Grampus and Albert X before we move on and we move down to the foot of the table, Johnny, where, uh, unfortunately, for the Mitsuzawa Massive, uh, Yokohama FC's relegation was all but mathematically mathematically confirmed on Saturday afternoon. This a huge dogfight six-pointer that we'd been bigging up for months and months. Well, it finally took place on Saturday afternoon and it ended 1-0 to Shonan, a, a goal from uh, Shonan captain Kazuki Oiwa four minutes into the second half proved to be the difference between the sides, a 35-yard uh, strike from Masaki Ikeda was uh, saved by the Yokohama FC goalkeeper Kengo Nagai. But uh, Shonan, yeah, Shonan's captain, Oiwa, was uh, one of uh, three uh, Shonan players who were uh, straight in on the loose ball. And uh, Oiwa side-footed across Nagai and into the net. The, uh, the goal surviving a, a pretty lengthy VAR check. But uh, kudos to the linesman who got... The decision correct initially, and um, yeah, it was uh, a very tight offside, but uh, Oiwa's goal correctly stood, and um, yeah, they threw the kitchen sink at them, didn't they, Yokohama FC? But uh, ultimately, yeah, this one goal has uh, has done them in, and um, well, to say they needed the miracle of all miracles, um, it doesn't even bear uh, thinking about, does it, uh, building up anybody's hopes for it, does it, Johnny? So um, yeah, well done to Shonan, and uh, commiserations to Yokohama FC, I guess is uh, all I can say. Yeah, and uh, you know, we've we picked this game up for, for weeks, so uh, it will be no consolation to Yokohama FC fans, but I mean, something decisive did come out of it, so I, I guess we're, we were right to, to big it up, and you, you could tell that the kind of tension that, you know, was on display. I, you know, I had a quite busy weekend, so initially I actually just watched the, the, the J-League, the, the quick three-minute highlights, and then I went into the, the zone highlights later on, and I, I saw the the J League highlights on YouTube that they only had they only had chances in the second half, but there was nothing there. And I, I think in the zone highlights they only had one, one or maybe two very small incidents in the first half. So it did seem very very tense. And, and Yokohama FC were, were on the front foot as you say for for most of the game, but you know there's small small margins that just that couple of couple of centimeters onside. Shoran got the goal, and then they could just sit back. And uh, as we've seen before, Yokohama FC they, they play. With, decent in spells, but they are prone to, to, to giving goals away. Like, you know, so Induka body face, he, he gave the ball away to, to Ohashi, who, who missed his chance after that. And it's, it's kind of casualness like that that sometimes cost them. And also after after Koki Ogawa, and even with, with Ogawa there, 
just not being clinical enough in, in, in attack. So it's been at both ends, unfortunately, that it's kind of kind of let them down. And you know, I'm sure, as, as we said with John uh, a few weeks back in, in J2, that, that that team provided they don't don't change too too much and they've not been I guess one one advantage of not being that impressive in J1 is it, it means other teams are not going to come in and raid you for your best players uh, I'd expect Yokohama FC to kind of continue their, their yo-yo status and you know, if, if it's not if it's not in two years it'll be in three or four years I'm pretty sure they'll they'll be back it, it will hurt at the moment for sure but Shonan fans must be must be delighted I think I, I wrote down it's six wins a draw and a a defeat from the, the last eight games. So Yamaguchi's really, really turned things around for, for them. Um, and, you know, they were 12th last year. They've actually moved up to 15th this year, but I guess it's kind of expected regression. And, and one stat I, I dug up about them, because they've confirmed that their status as a J1 team, and next year will be their seventh season in a row in, in the top flight, which for, for a yo-yo club is actually their, it's their best ever run. I think the last time was under... Uh, the, the next best story was under the, the Belmar Hiratsuka moniker, and they, they managed six J1 seasons in a row back in the, in the 90s. Some of that mm-hmm. wasn't even a J2. So, yeah, I think, yeah, c- congratulations to, to Shonan, uh, Satoshi Yamaguchi, and all, all the players. And, yeah, I, I'm sorry for, for Yokohama FC. It's, yeah, not not down yet, but but almost everything apart from mathematically down. But but they, they, they'll be back, I've, I've no doubt. Yeah, they, they'll be back at some point. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, yeah, it was a very uh, tense occasion. There were chances for, for your Yokohama FC, but ultimately, um, yeah, I guess one of the stories of their season, they uh, yeah, haven't scored enough goals and, uh, yeah, made the most of opportunities when they've been on top in games or not done that enough uh, on a consistent basis. And obviously that's why they found themselves in the position they did. Um, yeah, needing to uh, to to fight back from a goal down and uh, unable to do it. And I mean, yeah, Yuki Ohashi unbelievably uh, missed a, a couple of chances, especially that free header um, with about 25 minutes to go. Johnny from six yards out, um, you would have bet your house on him scoring the uh, the form he'd been in 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 recent weeks. But uh, yeah, headed wide, and I guess that left the door slightly ajar for Yokohama FC, but. Again, it wasn't to be, and uh, Shaunan have uh, confirmed their top flight status, as Johnny says, and that also works for me in my favour. Now I don't have to uh, go to the final match day where uh, FC Tokyo visit Shaunan and have that game on a knife edge. Um, Yeah, hopefully Shaunan's players will have celebrated their safety uh, or will continue to celebrate it long into this coming week. So maybe FC Tokyo might have a chance at uh, the Lemon Gas Stadium on the final day of the season. But uh, yeah, we can go there with the the pressure off and uh, enjoy our uh, uh, Sunday afternoon. But uh, yeah, again, we'll, uh, I guess we'll, uh, there'll be more on your camera FC um, as we uh, wrap up the season. And um, yeah, obviously they will be the, the property of the extra time boys to deal with uh, in 2024. But uh, yeah, they're just the one season back in the top flight for your camera FC and uh, yeah, back into the second tier from uh, 2024. Before we leave this game, Johnny, uh, both of these clubs uh, player of the season awards were voted on by our patrons uh, over the, uh, the past few days, uh, starting with uh, Saturday's winners, 
Shonan, um, a, a clear winner here, and uh, no surprise really that uh, Yuki Ohashi took 80% of the vote. The uh, the, the South Korean goalkeeper uh, Son Byom Kyun got to 20%, and Daiki Sugioka went voteless. I don't think we need to really thrash this out at all, do we? Ohashi uh, has got to be the winner here, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think Sugiyoka, I mean, I, I struggled to come up with three names, I'm, I'm afraid. I think you, you could basically put Ohashi in Song, and Ohashi, yeah, 13 goals, three assists in tw- 22 games. Song, I think the stat I drug up, or the, the, the stat I got up about him was, I think, two, 2.6 saves in the box every game or every 90 minutes, which is the highest in, in, in J1. But, yeah, I think the, the patrons have spoken quite decisively, and, and Yuki Ohashi, for, for me, is is uh, Shonan's player of the season. Are you going to rubber stamp that too? Oh, most definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a shame he didn't put the icing on the cake there with that uh, that free header uh, on Saturday afternoon. But yes, he's definitely uh, the deserved winner of this award. For Yokohama FC, it's obviously a bit more of a, um, a cloudier picture. Uh, in terms of the four nominees, uh, Shion Inoue and Kotaro Hayashi went uh, voteless while uh, Ryoya Yamashita and uh, Yuri Lara split the votes between the pair of them. And uh, Yamashita obviously had his moments, Johnny, and he's uh, as one of the fastest players in J1. When he, uh, yeah, when he gets on a run, he can uh, certainly um, make the highlights reels. And uh, I remember him scoring a couple of uh, tremendous goals this season. Um, Lara has uh, has grown into the season, I think, and become increasingly influential for uh, for Yokohama FC as the season's gone on. And uh, adding in the fact that Yamashita has been absent for the last uh, couple of months, I think, of the season. Um, I, I think, uh, yeah, for me, Lara uh, is going to take the... Uh, he's going to get my vote. Uh, if I have to have the casting vote, then, um, yeah, Lara, Lara just edges it for me, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. The, the only thing I would add is uh, Inoue didn't get any votes, and I think he's actually been quite quite a solid addition. He, I hadn't really seen him play in that kind of holding midfield role before when he was at Vissel, but I think he's had quite a good season. But yeah, the, the, the games I've watched, I think yeah, Yamashita is maybe a bit more um, a bit more up and down. He's a bit more um, mercurial, but but when he's on on form, he he really adds something to Yokohama FC. But yeah, I'd have to say when I've watched Yokohama FC live this season, Yuri Lara's always been the player that stuck out for me. He he looks like, you know, I mentioned earlier that maybe Yokohama FC won't necessarily get get rated for the the best players, but he, he looks like someone that I, I'm not convinced he would necessarily st- stick around, or he might have options in J1 or, or back in Brazil. But yeah, I, I think I'm quite happy to, to to go along with yourself, Ben. And yeah, I, I'd have to say that, that Lara edges out a, a very impressive Yamashita for 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 Yokohama FC's player of the season. All right, then. So congrats to Ohashi and to Yuri Lara. Um, these two obviously were the, the bottom two at the start of the match day. But yes, as Johnny mentioned, Shonan's win has taken them up to 15th. So with one game remaining, the only team that uh, York Armour FC could possibly catch, even as uh, uh, unfathomable as it might sound, is uh, Kashiwa Raisol. Uh, York Armour FC are three points and 12 goals of goal difference behind Raisol after Raisol. Well, they did it again, Johnny. They were ahead uh, at home uh, on a Saturday afternoon against Sagan Tosu. Uh, two excellent goals from Mateus Savio and uh, Mal Hosoya in the space 
of uh, four minutes, uh, about 10 minutes before half time, put them ahead after Kiman Togashi had uh, all the punters that he touched it, I fearing the worst after his uh, fourth minute goal uh, gave Tosu an early lead. Well, uh, yes, after taking the lead, Raysol fluffed their lines again and uh, Tosu equalised with uh, just over 20 minutes left when Ayumu Yokoyama crossed from the left. And uh, yes, again, one of the heroes of my fantasy football team, Yoichi Naganuma, headed in his 10th of the season to make it 2-2. And uh, Raysol could not manufacture a winner. So once again, they've dropped points from a winning position, Johnny, and I mean, it's not going to happen on the final day, but it's another huge blot on their copybook that um, the fact that it's even mathematically possible is just a, um, yeah, huge stain on, on race hole as a club, I think. And it's just, uh, yeah, their, their whole season in a nutshell, basically, wasn't it? This uh, 90 minutes at Hitachi Dai on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And we mentioned the, the suspensions they had for this game. We were a bit worried about Tatsuta coming in and he didn't seem to, to do anything wrong. And indeed, it's a, it's a point I think Sam made in the, the preseason pods about you know, Shimizu's defence last season was, was pretty pretty rancid. And they brought in Katayama and uh, Tatsuta from, from there. And in this game, it was Katayama who was, was partially at fault for, for both goals. He as he's been, I think he was at fault, the, the, the late goal they conceded at home to Serizal at 96-minute header. Kapishaba got away from him too early. He, here for the first goal, Iwasaki runs rings around him and gets the ball in. And then, you know, it's it's just a, it's a mixture of bad luck and bad execution. His centre tries to knock the ball out and it goes to Matsumoto and he fumbles it. And because it's centre that's passed it back, him and Dugashi's just got a tap in. And you're like, like we said with with Alan, you when Nagoya missed the chances or when Yamakawa got away with that clearance on the line, you're thinking this is going to be our day. The race all fans at the, the Hitachi died. They must have been thinking, what what are we in for today if that's the, the start to this game? But you know, all credit to them. Two two really really good goals. Lovely uh, header for uh, Savio, who was captain for the day, and then brilliant direct counter um, sento to Savio to, to Hosoya two two one. But then again, Katayama, for reasons known only to himself, he gives too much room for, for Yokoyama to, to fire in the cross. And Naganuma, that's, yeah, up to 10 goals for the season. I, I do have the kind of feeling that you might see your kind of your, your Nagoyas will be swarming around him for, for next year. I'm not convinced he's going to be at Tosu too, too much longer. But yeah, Kashiwa just, they just keep shooting themselves in the foot. I think they'll, they'll probably eke out a draw at Nagoya next week. And yeah. There's not many 12 goals, uh, 12 goals swing, but yeah, they really have to to look back on this season. And I think you know, at the end, Hugo Tatsuta was almost the, the the hero, wasn't he, with a header that that Park saved and then it hit Yukimuto and went out. And it almost feels like that that one incident kind of encapsulates both Kashiwa and and Sagan's season in a nutshell. For for Kashiwa, it's like we very very nearly got the result we we, we needed, but but we didn't. And then Sagan Tosu very nearly lost the game, but but didn't. And, and largely thanks to their goalkeeper. So, you know, they're going to finish somewhere between 11th and 14th. They can be more than happy with that. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting off season because you know there's there's Kashiwa and there's a few other teams we'll talk about like you know get Gamba, Kawasaki, Kashima. A few teams that have won J1 in the not too distant past had in pretty horrible seasons in the league this year. So. Yeah, this this winter is going to be a lot a lot happening across Japan, I think. Yeah, most definitely, and uh, yeah, well, Raisol they've uh, they they head into the final match day having won the fewest games in the division. It's hard to believe, isn't it? But they've still only won six games uh, all season, and. Uh, 
2023 cannot finish soon enough for them. And, uh, well, speaking of that, Johnny, uh, I think we're going to move on to the next game, and that's Hiroshima versus Gumbo Osaka. We heard from Alan in part one, and you probably want to move off this game, especially quickly, because it was, uh, to say it was one-way traffic at the Edeon Stadium in what we should mention again was the, the final game at this uh, ground before Hiroshima move into their new stadium. Uh, 20, over 29,000 in attendance. Uh, Hiroshima wheeled out some of their veterans, including uh, Toshihiro Aoyama for his uh, first start of 2023 and he was replaced late on by Kosei Shibasaki and uh, even the veteran keeper Takuto Hayashi who uh, Johnny mentioned last week is retiring at the end of the season he got the last uh, seven minutes off the bench as uh, Keisuke Osako got a breather at the end of this game but uh, yeah just like Kobe at the Novu Stadium Hiroshima made a lightning fast start here and uh, unlike at the Novu there was no comeback uh, really to speak of uh, from Gamba. Uh, first, it was uh, Makoto Mitsuta glancing in a header from Amutsuki Kato Cross in the ninth minute, and then two minutes later, Shunki Higashi sent over a cross from a similar area on the left, Shuto Nakano, uh, Nakano rather, rising highest in the center to power home a header for his first J1 goal. It was almost three in the 16th minute, but Masaki Higashiguchi got down well to tip a Takumu Kawamura shot past the post, but indeed it was three, eight minutes after the break. Kato firing a superb shot across Higashiguchi and inside the far post. And yes, uh, Shibasaki on as a sub hit the post in the 78th minute, but uh, 3-0 it finished. Um, So a great day for Hiroshima and their supporters as they say goodbye to this stadium, Johnny. But um, yeah, uh, Gamba couldn't get on the Shinkansen fast enough at uh, full time uh, of this one. Yeah, let's let's try and focus on on the positives because yeah, you know, for, for Sam Fredchy, I mean, I, I don't know some some fans like if it was me, I'd probably like a like an exciting four three win or something to to be the last game, not not what proved to be an absolute procession. Um, you know, two 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 really good goals, and it's probably worth pointing out. I know they came two minutes apart, but with all the time that Hiroshima took celebrating scoring the first goal, it was basically one goal kick off. The Gamba lost the ball, and then Hiroshima broke, and it was a second goal. Uh, again, <laughs> so it was bit bang bang, but basically, but yeah, I think that the two players I'd pick out as usual, Mitsuda and also Kato, who I I suggested had had um, he'd been resting up for for this game, and with a goal and assist, I think it was proven correct. But both of those players that they're, they're pressing and their movement, they're dropping deep, dragging Gamba defenders out, out of position, opening up all kinds of space for the the wing backs to to charge through. I think they were both both outstanding. Um, I think that the highlights, because actually I watched the highlights before watching the, the full game, and uh, yeah, it was it was absolute torture for me watching it, the full game. I'm sure San Francisco fans, please enjoy every minute of it, because I, I definitely didn't. But yeah, the highlights made it look like it was just wave after wave of San Francisco attack, which in a way it kind of was, but then... You know, their, their pressing was very good, but Gamba would kind of keep the ball for a spell and then they, they would get up the, the other end and then the, the last pass would just go astray. So they only ended up having three shots in the game. I think that their only shot in the first half was in the, the first minute. Um, but then, then it seemed that like every time Hiroshima got the ball, and this was a problem, again, for Gamba against Fukuoka for, for a long time, whenever teams get the ball on the halfway line or just inside Gamba's half, it seems to more often than not end up in a chance. So... You know, it's almost like any time Hiroshima got the ball, they had a highlights worthy chance at, at the end of it. But yeah, this is one of the most one-sided games you, you'll see in in J1. And you know, for, for Sam Fredchi, 
great to say goodbye to the, the stadium in this way. And they got Hayashi on, they got Aoyama, Shibasaki, Kashiwa, all the all the veterans on there. Um, but it's got to be also tinged with a bit of you know what might have been with that that run of um, just eight points from from eleven games when, when Mitsuda was out there. They're now only mm-hmm. one one loss in the last eleven, so they're up to third now ahead of Urawa. And I, I wonder if there's going to be a bout of, of collective amnesia, and they might if they keep Mitsuda, they might go back to being the sexy pick in everyone's jpred next year. What, what do you think, Ben? Well, yeah, I mean, I tipped them for the title this year after they finished third last year. So, yeah, if I if I'm consistent, Johnny, I'll be doing the same uh, next year. Yeah, um, obviously, a lot does hinge on whether Mitsuta sticks around and if they can uh, get him uh, a little bit more uh, support, maybe, or yeah, add some depth in attacking areas. Yeah, more reliable depth, I suppose, in attacking areas in the off season, but. Um, yeah, that's an excellent point. And yeah, um, you've obviously flagged that bad run that they had um, a, a couple of times in, in recent weeks. And um, yeah, I'm sure it keeps Michael Skibber up at night because uh, while they are, a, you know, a whopping 13 points behind a Kobe, um, the, the form they were in before Mitsuzu's injury, and as you say, since he's come back, suggests that, uh, uh, yeah, if they had a, got a full season out of their talisman, then um, yeah, they might be, it might have been in the, the title race for the duration as well. But uh, yeah, one to forget for uh, Gumba on Saturday afternoon and also for a Cerezo in the Kansai Derby at home against Kyoto. Uh, Kyoto winning 1-0 thanks to Taichi Hara's first-time strike uh, in the 20th minute. A uh, Shinotsuke Fukuda cutback uh, was expertly steered home by Hara. I think that's sixth in the league since his uh, uh, arrival at Sanga, and uh, yeah, he's been obviously uh, hugely important for them. And uh, yeah, their uh, their uh, their safety was uh, was confirmed, as was Gumbers. It should be said once the Yokohama FC lost, but uh, yeah, Kyoto's win uh, obviously wrapped that up uh, for themselves um in uh, yeah under their own steam so uh, yeah Chokwe J will have been happy uh, to uh, yeah to win especially away at a local rival um they uh, they could have had a chance at a second goal from the penalty spot but a, a referee's decision to award a penalty was a change to a free kick on the edge of the area by VAR uh, just past the hour it was almost 1-1 with 15 minutes left but uh, Gu Sung Yun the Kyoto keeper tipped away a, a 25 yard real Yamanaka strike and um, yeah Cerezo it seemed like they sleptwalked through the uh, the first half of this game Johnny a, a bit more lively towards the end of proceedings but uh, yeah Sanga a, a very satisfying win for them and as we said their safety um, yeah secured uh, for yeah well through a couple of different avenues uh, on Saturday but they, they will have been very glad to uh, have returned home with all three points themselves. Yeah, I think you're talking about Jay Preds. So like pre-season, I had Kyoto finishing bottom, but you know who would who would have thought back then? Pat Patrick would get ten goals after only starting ten games, and yeah, Toyokawa I think had 10, 10 goals and ninety J1 appearances, got nine already this season, and then Hara coming in with, with six goals. Uh, I'm interested to know like what like the, the effect of what, what Choki J, what he's doing behind the scenes, or how much of it is it is a bit of luck and a sort of regress to the mean ne- next season, but. I think yeah, it's great for them. Like you know, Gamba got hammered and just sort of survived because another team lost. I think it's good for for morale at Kyoto that they they, they got the win, which I think I think we flagged last week was was kind of predictable given that Serizo didn't have much riding in this game and and Kyoto Kyoto very much did. 
Um, but yeah, the, the final game, they'll, they'll be playing Yokohama F Mariners at home. So maybe they might be licking their wounds and it's a chance to finish out on a high at, at home and, and look ahead to next season. They're, yeah, they're definitely finishing a high. Sarah's are, obviously, as we mentioned with Alan, they're, they're much higher in the league than Gamba. But you know, what, what, one goal in the last seven games and only four, four points. You know, they're, they're sitting eighth now. They could finish anywhere between fifth and ninth. But yeah, Alan, as you always is very, very positive. I, I can't be quite as positive about them. I think they definitely have regressed a, a bit this season, and whether that is more on on the coach or the players, I'm not, I'm not so sure. But they obviously overachieved in the the first half of the season, especially like you know the amount of goals they scored that to, to such an extent that even with the the recent run of not scoring, that they've still scored more goals than their, their kind of expected goals tally would suggest they should have. So. Yeah, like Alan said earlier, there seems to be a bit, a bit of money there. So I'm very interested to see which which players that they, they, they look at and potentially they might be looking to kind of ship out a, a couple of players as well. So, yeah, uh, all very positive for, for Kyoto. And, yeah, Serizo, I think, from where they are now, I think they'll be quite happy to, to go into the winter and, and rebuild and regroup from here. Indeed, well said. And, yeah, they're always an interesting team to watch in the transfer market, aren't they, Serezo? So, uh, yeah, we'll see what they do over the uh, the, the coming off-season. All right, then. So the uh, the highest-scoring game of the match day, Johnny, was played out between two teams that better known for their sturdy defences at the Saitama Stadium. Urawa hosted Fukuoka in a rematch of the Levine Cup final. And, uh, well, uh, once again, Fukuoka edged things, winning three goals to two. Uh, Reds opened the scoring in the 18th minute uh, through an Alex Schultz penalty, but uh, Kazuya Konno equalised uh, just past the half hour with a uh, delightful lob from the edge of the box after a Yuya Yamagishi ball over the top. Uh, Itsuki Oda came on for Fukuoka at half time, and nine minutes into the second half, he gave Avispa the lead with a lovely volley from a Takeshi Kanemori cross. Uh, Kanemori was initially ruled offside in the build-up by the linesman, but uh, VAR determined he was level and the goal stood. Uh, Konno made it 3-1 after a terrific pressing from Hiroyuki Maya in the 62nd minute uh, to Alex Schalk got a goal back after Brian Linson's deflected strike came back off the bar with the 15 minutes to go. But uh, yes, once again, Fukuoka had the edge over Reds. Johnny, obviously in the Levain Cup final, it was by a um, yeah a, a cigarette paper. But uh, on this occasion, they won by uh, three goals to two. It uh, moved them to within three points of Reds in the table. But um, yeah, I think it's safe to say that they're, Fukuoka's uh, ordinary goal difference means they won't be moving any higher in the table. Uh, they won't be able to catch Reds. Sorry, they could finish above Nagoya and finish fifth. But yeah, fourth is out of the uh, equation, I think. But um, yeah, again, F- Fukuoka finishing this season uh, terrifically well. They've got their first ever trophy in the cabinet. And uh, yes, this is another feather in their cap winning away at Saitama Stadium. Yeah, yeah. So the the final final fixture is against uh, San Frecce. So I mean, you never know what's going to happen in the last day of the season. But uh, as it stands, as you say, Ben, they're, they're sixth and their their best ever finish in their, their entire history is eighth two two years ago. So they're looking good to to at least equal that and, and probably better it. And you know, very very good performance in terms of how they closed down and, and high energy. Um, 
but Reds, I think, maybe only have them, themselves to blame because they've been so solid defensively th- th- this year. But it seemed like it's small mistakes from, from a lot of players who have been, been pretty solid th- this year. You, know, you notice for the, the Fukuoka's first goal, I think Kono gets away from Hoybraten for, for pace far, far too easily. And it is a wonderful finish. And then in the lead up to that, the, the second goal, I think Schultz plays quite a poor pass out of defence. That I believe it's the Idiguchi intercepts it, and then Idiguchi and Maya play in, in Kanemori for for Oda to, to finish. And then the third one, I think, is it's a bit of a hospital pass, isn't it, from from Nishikawa to Shibato, who was you know, poor Shibato starting his first J1 game uh, this year, and he gets a gets a pass like that, ends up looking rather silly. But I think that the pass rather sold him down the river. But great pressing from from Maya and. Connor's finish. I think he's another one. He's he's a, feeling a bit spurned that he didn't make our list for um Fukuoka player of the season. So <laughs> yeah, he's obviously yeah. out. <laughs> he he's out to to show us we we were wrong. Um, but yeah, as, as we might I think we managed to mention on last week's pods that we know scores are going at the end of this season, and you know, it's just been announced today. Uh, Jose Cante is actually retiring from football, I, I believe, and and Schalke who scored here. He's he's leaving as well. So. I, I suspect these players kind of knew like this might be the last the last home game before they went into it. I, I don't know if there's a bit of a hangover over recent events or how players are feeling about scores are going. But yeah, this wasn't a very 2023 Reds performance, but very slack at the back and and Fukuoka they they really made them pay and yeah their fans Daniel and the, the fans they must be absolutely absolutely loving life and yeah possibly just jumping ahead slightly Fukuoka San Fredchi is maybe one of the more exciting games in the, the final slate of fixtures with with both teams really kind of going for, for high finishes. Hiroshima going for third and as you say Fukuoka have a chance to Nagoya might finally fall out of the top five but I, would, I wouldn't bank on it just yet. <laughs> yeah fair enough it looks like they're uh, yeah destined to finish fifth doesn't it uh, Nagoya but uh, we'll wait and see if uh, Avispa can overtake them on the final match day or not. All right. So before we leave this game, the uh, the, the final player of the season poll uh, we need to adjudicate on the, this week, Johnny, is for Urawa. Uh, we we stretched to five nominees. Uh, unfortunately for uh, Shusaku Nishikawa and uh, Marius Hoybranton, they went to voteless. And there was a really interesting split between uh, the other three nominees, Johnny. I was quite surprised to see Atsuki Ito get as high a percentage of the vote as he did. He ended up with 56%. Uh, Alex Schultz uh, uh, came in second with 33 and Jose Kante got 11. So, um, yeah, well, I think we can appreciate the efforts of Kante, Nishikawa and uh, Hoy Branton over the course of the campaign. Yeah, I was quite surprised to see Ito win by as clear a margin as he did. Um, so I'll throw this to you first. Uh, which uh, way were you leaning b- between the pair of these? And, uh, well, do you think the patrons got this one right? I actually, I, I was one of the people who voted for, for Schultz, as, as people who have listened for a while will know I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. So, you know, I pointed out his mistake in the game against Fukuoka, but merely because it's, it's so rare that he actually makes a mistake. And I, I should also balance that by saying he took his penalty very, very, very coolly. So I, I think Reds are a difficult one because, you know, they've been in the top three for, for most of the year. So they're clearly a very good team. But I think, like, you know, we picked like Osako and Lopez Ohashi earlier. It's usually quite easy to pick out when, when a striker has scored a lot of goals or as a creative player with a lot of assists or chance creation or or in some cases like Sagan Tosu or, or Shonan, that the goalkeeper is extremely good and extremely busy, but that's not really the case for, for, for Reds. So, yeah, Ito... 
I mean, Ben, if, if you if you want to rubber stamp Ito, I'm, I'm happy to go along with that. But if you were wanting to, to join me in, in overturning and giving it to Schultz, I, I, would, I would equally back you on that. So, yeah, the, mm. the floor is yours. Yeah, I think if it was anybody else um, than than Atsuki, who, as uh, as you know, Johnny and the regular listeners know, is is one of my favourites, I probably would have jumped on board with you there. But mm-hmm. um, and if it was a smidgen closer, maybe um, yeah, I I might have been. It's very very borderline for me, but I, I think. Um, yeah, considering it's the last poll, uh, we don't want to put any too many noses out of joint. So, I think I'll I'll rubber stamp Ito and 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 go along with the patrons and make it two one. But um, yeah, uh, uh, as I say, I thought it would have been closer. And um, actually, when we posted this poll, I was expecting Schultz to win. So, as I said, I was surprised at the uh, the, the percentage of the vote that Ito got. But uh, yes, he's one of my favourites. So I'm happy to see. Uh, I'm happy to see him win it, and yeah, hopefully he'll still be there to uh, to be in the running to to go back to back next season. But uh, as we know, there are yeah always rumours flying around about him poss- uh, possibly leaving uh, the club uh, for for pastors new, uh, i.e. in uh, Europe. But uh, yeah, we'll wait and see how that uh, transpires. But yeah, let's not take anything away from a terrific Alex Schultz season. But yeah, Atsuki Ito. Uh, wins the Reds Player of the Season uh, award. Uh, excuse me. And uh, so the the last two games, Johnny. I mean, I made you uh, sit through, uh, you know, a comment on on the Gumba uh, Hiroshima game. So you're well within your rights to make me do the same about uh, FC Tokyo. But I was going to do the, uh, the the last two games together. Uh, two very one-sided score lines. Uh, last Friday night at Todoroki, uh, Kawasaki beat Kashima three goals to nil. A, a brace from Leandro Damiao, uh, both goals set up by his fellow Brazilian Marcinho. Um, so, yeah, Frontale 2 nil to the good. And then uh, Yasuto Wakizaka finished things off with a uh, an 84th-minute penalty after uh, a, a the initial decision of a free kick on the edge of the box after Leandro was fouled by antlers keeper Tomoki Hayakawa was changed to a penalty by VAR. And, um, yeah, interestingly enough, uh, Damiao uh, decided against taking the spot kick and trying to uh, finish off his hat-trick, uh, Johnny. And, yeah, Wakizaka took the penalty. I know he has been the regular penalty taker for this season, but I thought, yeah, considering the context of the game, they might have let... Leandro take it, but uh, yes, he ended up with a brace and another goal for Wakizaka. 3-0 to Frontale, while at Ajinomoto Stadium on Saturday afternoon, FC Tokyo took the lead against Sapporo four minutes before halftime. Diego Oliveira scoring his 15th of the season with a fine left-footed finish. But uh, once Yuya Asano equalized uh, after uh, running onto a brilliant first-time through ball from Sapporo halftime substitute Toya Nakamura and finishing deftly in the 51st minute. Well, yes, that was uh, it was a pretty much one-way traffic from then on. Suyoshi so Ogashiwa, another player who was snubbed from our player of the season shortlists. Well, yeah, he rubbed that right back in my face with a, a terrific goal in the 57th minute. Again, set up by another terrific Nakamura assist. Then uh, youngster Shingo Omori scored from 45 yards into an empty net for his uh, first J1 goal uh, in the 94th minute and it finished Sapporo 3, FC Tokyo 1. Two games to wrap up the match day. Johnny, any uh, thoughts on either or both of these games? 
I'll keep it very brief in FC Tokyo Sapporo, and I'm just going to say nice things about Sapporo. Don't, don't worry. I just wanted to, to second what you said about uh, Nakamura. Two, two really, really good passes and great assists for him. And then also with, with Shingo Omori, who you mentioned get, getting his first J1 goal, because yeah, people who, who listen to the, the preseason pod might might remember just at the end of the Sapporo preview, we, we mentioned him as someone who seemed to have a bit of pedigree and could potentially make an impact this year. But I think the first half of his year was was ruined by a by a leg fracture, and he's just slowly getting getting up to speed. And I remember, I think a few years ago, there was I think it was a uh, Fajiano Okayama player came on, and I think his debut he like volleyed in a corner, as a straight from a corner he volleyed into the top corner to win the game. And I think it was Stuart and John that were on the uh, JT at that point, said he should just retire then. It's never going to get any better than that. And yeah, Omori <laughs> first first game one goal, it's that. Yeah, I, I, he's going to have to go some way to, to, to beat that. Um, but yeah, and, and the only other thing I wanted to say is that that moves Sapporo into striking distance for their, their usual 10th place spot. I think they're only two points off, off Niigata, but you know, they, they do play Urawa at home, whereas Niigata have got Serizo at home. So it's not looking too too hopeful. But yeah, it, it wouldn't be too surprising to see Sapporo in their, their usual 10th place. But yeah, Kawasaki Kashima, because I think last week, there was a lot of fixtures with a lot on the line, and I think this was the only one that we didn't actually mention or didn't say anything about. Which you know, the the, the caliber of these two teams is very very rare, and that I think that that speaks volume for the, the kind of season they're both having. But yeah, yeah, I think I again I only caught the highlights, and and one thing that stood out was you know Yuma Suzuki's hair always makes him very easy to to find, but every time you saw him. He was out in the right winger, he was out in the left winger, he was in the centre circle, cutting a very frustrated figure. And I looked up the stats, I think in the 90 minutes, he only had three touches inside the Kawasaki box. And you know, with Higuchi was in the bench with his 12 assists for, for whatever reason. So it seemed like Suzuki was having to try and set up the goals and score them all, all by himself. And you know, at the end of the game, people might have seen there was a bit of a protest by the, the Antlers uh, Ultras because... You know, Kashima have a very proud record of finishing near the top of, of J1 and you know, they're in seventh now. They could finish as low as ninth, which ninth is the second worst finish that they've ever had in their, their entire history. So I think fans are not happy. The final home game against Yokohama FC, I, I probably expect to see some, some banners and, and complaints like I'm kind of expecting to see it at Gamba as well. But you know, again, we've talked about Daiki Masa a lot. Sam was really on him from, from the start and yeah, it's, it's if you, if you were to put it in the context of, of Kashima, you know, other clubs eighth or ninth might not be that bad, but if it's kind of getting to like the joint second worst like performance you've ever had, you have to ask the question again, you know, is he is he the right man for the job and is he only in the job because he is a he is a Kashima legend? Uh, I'm very interested to see again what what goes on at Kashima next week and then then going into the winter as as a, yeah as I said earlier that these two clubs have not had great seasons. Kawasaki with, with their ACL results combined with with the league, they've only lost one in the last seven games in the league. I think that they're quietly coming into a bit of form ahead of the Emperor's Cup final. But yeah, bad bad day at the office for for Kashima. I'm sure sure Neil Debdeman thoroughly enjoyed the the three 0 win over his old rivals, and then I'm sure he's looking forward to one of his favourite you know away destinations at Sagan Tosu for the for the nil nil um, this coming weekend. 
Indeed, and you mentioned the Iwamasa there, Johnny. If only we knew someone with a, uh, yeah, a bit of an axe to grind against the Iwamasa who might be able to come on next week and maybe gloat in the fact that uh, <laughs> yeah, antlers have uh, slipped down the table uh, in the last couple of months of the season. Um, but uh, yeah, we won't give anything more than that away. I don't think we'll be Johnny about who'll be joining us uh, next week. But uh, listeners, if uh, if I remind you that next week we'll be putting together the uh, the J1 team of the season, and myself and Johnny are going to be involved. That then you might be able to guess who the uh, the third uh, member of our uh, of our team might be on uh, next week's podcast. But uh, yeah, all to be revealed uh, next week as uh, yeah we keep our cards close to our chest at uh, this stage of proceedings. All right, so uh, yeah, thanks for sparing me there on FC Tokyo. Obviously, a, a horrible way to end the uh, the home campaign. The uh, the icing on a very uh, sour cake, Johnny. And uh, yeah, as I say, I'm looking forward to getting along to watching a game of football on uh, on Sunday. Uh, not necessarily to <laughs> what's uh, expecting anything at all from my team, but um, yeah, just being able to get out of the house and uh, have uh, have some Saint Gallen out in this, hopefully in the sunshine. It's supposed to be a nice day, I think. So um, yeah, looking forward to the day. Uh, rather than necessarily the fear that uh, FC Tokyo might be serving up. But uh, yeah, OK, then, so that's all the nine games from match day 33 rounded up. Then obviously a momentous day in this campaign with the championship decided and the one relegation spot all but uh, mathematically decided 99.9% sure it's going to be Yokohama FC. So, um, yeah, I mean, we could run through each and every game on the final day, Johnny. I think we mentioned a number of them in passing already. So at the uh, the end of the episode, again, another marathon recording session. Uh, please let us know what is uh, Johnny's pick of the match day. Um, well, you're, you're going to see Shonan against FC Tokyo. I, I've got tickets for the, the sold-out Gamba against Vissel Kobe, which I hope will live up to the, the sold-out nature of it. So, yeah, with, without a clear option, I'm going to have to go, go for that one. I think you've got a chance to see the, the, the champions. You've got a chance to see Kitkan Gamba kind of bounce back and, and salvage something from the, the wreckage that is their season. What are the ultras going to do? That Gamba have their you know, end-of-season kind of farewell? Um, you know, what's the atmosphere going to be like in the stadium? I, I guess that that would be the one I would pick out. And other than that, and it's not not really a game in itself. If that doesn't really tickle your fancy, I would just say if if you see two teams that you haven't seen very much this season, it might be a good chance to watch them. Um, you know, all the games are, are kicking off at the, the same time with with everything apart from the Kashima Yokohama FC and the Nagoya Kashiwa essentially having not too much riding on it. I think we might see quite a few like fringe and, and younger players. Players like like I mentioned like like Omori might might get a bit of a, a run out. But yeah, I, I would go yeah, I would stick with with, with Gamba Visel, seeing the champions in action. What about yourself, Ben? What other games would you would you suggest? Yeah, I think you mentioned it before. I think yeah, Fukuoka Hiroshima is uh, yeah, probably the most interesting game on the slate and uh, yeah between uh, two teams uh, currently in the top six so uh, yeah that that should be a, a really interesting one with the Fukuoka finishing with a wet sail and obviously yeah Hiroshima up to third uh, above Reds after their win uh, on Saturday so yeah that would be my pick but uh, yeah nine interesting looking games on the slate so all right Johnny we'll uh, we'll leave it there I wish uh, Gumba all the best 
for uh, for this coming Sunday. And um, yeah, I've got my fingers crossed for for FC Tokyo. Um, again, a huge uh, thanks to Alan, and uh, again, congratulations to him and to all uh, Kobe supporters for their first ever title. Um, yes, we'll be back with a special guest uh, next week. And uh, look out, patrons, because you've just been voting on uh, Player of the Season awards in the last three weeks. Well, uh, now is the big one. And uh, yeah, we'll be doing position-by-position position polls for the uh, the JTalk team of the season. So uh, looking forward to those results as they roll in, Johnny, and to speaking with you uh, uh, about the, uh, the the final match of the season on uh, next week's episode. Thanks very much, Ben. It was it was good getting back into it with the full full round of fixtures this week, and it was great finally getting the chance to speak to Alan and, and talking to yourself again. So I look forward to hearing your your scouting report on, on Yukio Hashi next week, and yeah, hopefully Gamba can can avoid a defeat. Maybe we saw let us off in the, the last game of the season, but yeah, I'm sure we'll see some some mad results next week. And yeah, we're gonna be, we're pulling a double shift with the, the team of the year, which is is always fun. So. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be, be resting up before that, but very much looking forward to it. Thanks thanks very much. All right. Thanks, Johnny. And uh, yes, listeners, that's it for this week's episode of the JTalk podcast. Johnny and I would like to thank Alan Gibson for his time in uh, part one of this episode. Thanks to our patrons for their ongoing support and indeed to, for all of them uh, for voting in our polls over the last three weeks. And a special thanks to those patrons who helped us out with our list of nominees for uh, for the different clubs uh, in J1. And listeners, we'd also like to thank you for listening wherever you are. We'll be back next week to round up J1 Match Day 34 and to put together the JTalk team of the season. Speak to you then. Bye for now. The JTalk Podcast. Yes, 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 yes.